Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 4Jack Podcast. Today, we are joined by a member of the Australian PGA, Director of Golf Instruction at KDV Sport in the Gold Coast of Australia, Mr. Richard Woodhouse. Richard migrated to Australia from New Zealand to pursue his career in golf coaching, which led to a career at one of the premier golf academies in the country. He coaches for several international touring pros as well as state and national players. This was a great interview that gave an extensive look into the world of coaching in today's golfing world. So please sit back and enjoy your interview with Richard Woodhouse. Cheers. Welcome to the 4Jack Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the 4Jack Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks over at Jackson Labs. We're back here again today, another fun one as always, and um, just ready to kick it into some things. We'll ch- talk about some golf. We'll talk about some instruction. But before we even get to that, we'll just, as usual, just say hello to the boys. We're going to send it over to the finely dressed man out on the west coast, Mr. Chris Parkinson. What up? Finely dressed. I like that <laughs> golf shirt. I don't know if that's stepped up or not, but excited to be here, boys. Looking forward to this guest. We're kind of on a bit of a coaching theme, so it's nice to have another top-level, top-tier teaching professional give us his take on the game. So looking forward to diving in. Absolutely. And next up, my man in the lab with me, Tom. What's happening? Not too much, bud. Uh, Yeah, excited to be here. Excited to kind of time travel to the other side of the world today and talk to our guest that's over there in Australia. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. On a, fr- on a Friday, and we're on Thursday, so this is uh, this is some technology we're advancing here. <laughs> Time flash. I love it. Uh, and speaking of that guest, we have a member of the Australian PGA, Mr. Richard Woodhouse. How are you, sir? Guys, I'm great. Thanks a lot for having me on. Looking forward to having a chat. Oh, we're looking forward to it. Just, just got to give you a little applause <laughs> here. We got to always do that. Make sure a big crowd. Good. So, Richard, where That's are you uh, kind of camped out at right now? I mean, it's your day ahead, but tell us, tell the listeners where you're at. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm up here on the Gold Coast, on the, on the East Coast. So, just uh, I guess an hour south of Brisbane. Um, if for those for the listeners who know where where Brisbane is, one of the major cities. Um, just kicking off winter, but uh, then again, there's 24 degrees and sunshine outside, so we don't get it too bad up here. No, you do not. And to be honest, man, I miss Australian winters so much. I loved them. For those yeah, of us that cool. aren't super familiar with that area, what's it like to be engaged in a winter over there? Because you're telling us it's like 23, 24. What are we looking forward to as far as like low temperatures? It gets, doesn't really, to be honest, Parksy doesn't get down below 20 during the day. Um, and then over in the evenings, we might get, a cold night here on the Gold Coast might get down to eight to ten degrees Celsius. So, um, yeah, we're it's just a golfing mecca, really. And then you know, through the through the summer months, we we get warm. It's humid. It's hot. But winters are just beautiful. Oh, yeah. Is that a is that a big change from transplanting? Because originally you're from New Zealand, are you not? Yeah, you got it. So uh, I've been over here f- since 2007. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a little temperature shift coming over here. My winters back in New Zealand were, were cold. You know, they, they, they definitely get down. But, uh, but yes, yeah, this is um, this was the main reason why I came over, really. We can golf 24-7 and, and really uh, and have no excuses. 
yeah, yeah that's it, awesome it's funny like dealing with especially coming from kiwi winters i'm or kiwi weather in general it's very similar to vancouver in a sense besides like the you know the extreme heat in the summer not extreme but the sun is powerful mm. but yeah the winters yeah. are very similar to vancouver yeah yeah new zealand i mean new zealand's gorgeous you know the summers are great the wind i, I was from nelson which is the top of the south island where the so, so where the wine's growing, then um, the the temperature's pretty mild. So it might get frost in the winter, but no snow um, mm. other than on the mountains. So, um, yeah, still pretty good. We're pretty spoiled over this part of the world. Totally. What's your experience with Canada? Have you been over this way? You know what? I haven't spent a lot of time in the U.S., but um, in respects, I was actually, when I left New Zealand back in 07, I was actually heading just to the Gold Coast for six months was the original plan. Um, and then I was actually, I actually had a job lined up in Calgary for six months for, uh, oh, nice. to coach over the summer. Yeah. So, uh, but one thing led to another guys and I got, I got offered a job here on the Gold Coast in that interim period. And you know what? I never left. So it was an easy decision. Yeah. No kidding. It's too yeah, bad. Yeah. You would have, uh, would have loved Calgary for sure. It's a good yeah, city. Sure. Yeah. So how did you get into golf? How did your golf like story come together kind of a thing? Where did it, where did you get the passion for it and what happened when you were younger and what led you to the Gold Coast? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've played sports as my life, you know, like that's basically what I've just invested all my time into. I started playing golf when I was 13, 14 through high school. And, um, luckily enough, the, the city I was from golf was extremely accessible. Golf courses were, you could get onto them whenever you wanted to. They encouraged junior golf. And um, I had some family that were involved in golf as well. So I played all my amateur golf in New Zealand. And um, I turned, I started my PGA traineeship back in 2002, um, pretty close to when I left, I left high school in 2000. So um, stayed on there for a couple of years until 07. And um and just with the nature of what I wanted to do with the coaching side and my interest there, really, the city I was from um, wasn't wasn't overly big, you know, hundred thousand ish people. And so to advance on my career, I had to move elsewhere. And um, yeah, one step led to here, and and yeah, here I am today. Good decision, nonetheless. Yeah, um, I did want to kind of dive in. It just seems like you kind of have your hands in everything. You know, you're a tour coach, you're obviously coaching people at a club, you're running a facility, you have KDV, there's the gravity fit. I mean, what don't you do right now? Yeah, <laughs> when like do you sleep? It's a pretty busy schedule. Yeah. <laughs> it's a busy schedule. So, yeah, my role is uh, I'm director of, director of instruction here at KDV Sport Golf Academy. So this is at the Golf Academy here we set up uh, – in 2012, so I was coaching at a at a resort, uh, Royal Pines Golf Resort, which was where they used to hold the uh, the Ladies Masters. They now hold they were they've held the European Tour event there, which is the PJ the Australian PJ Championship, right up until this year. So I was there for five years, um, coaching as senior instructor there at, at their academy, and then I got approached by uh, by the owners of where we are right now and it was where i am right now at kdv sport it was an old existing driving range and nine hole golf course and um the owners had the had the vision of wanting to build a golf and tennis academy with a hotel and gym and restaurant all encompassing so basically the athletes can come and come and land here and and train here and eat here and live here and and um and have the entire experience so back in 2012 
I uh, I took on took on that role as as their director of instruction and set up the the protocols and the the, the strategies for the golf aspect of the business. So uh, that took about five years to get to get off. While we I moved over to the the existing facility for five years and 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 coached out of there and um, the current the new building which uh, opened back in uh, well yeah about 2017, which is. Um, an incredibly it's an incredible complex we've got a 40 bay public driving range um and a performance center gym saunas uh pools recovery rooms um conference center and then we've got the golf academy where i am here where i'm coming from this morning which is we've got uh four coaching studios indoor outdoor coaching studios so coaching from indoors heading outdoors onto the range um cool clubs is our club fitters um, next door here as well and just uh, just before COVID hit, actually, it's not great timing, but we opened the the hotel, so we've got a seventy five room hotel, wow, it's a four star hotel on site now as well. Yeah, I was going to say for the listeners that this is not just a your basic golf academy. This was quite a big budget, extensive facility that you're in. Yeah, it is. It's about you know the 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 tennis and golf academy was around you know it was a, a you know close to around about twenty million dollar sort of facility, and then we've put the hotel on since then as well so um it's a really big operation and we've got some some great people involved running the certain departments and um yeah we're pretty much we're, we're pretty much at full flight now everything's everything's done we've got the nine hole short course here as well so um yeah so it's a cool facility it's a great place to work great staff um couldn't be happier yeah that's amazing we just had on um the coach of the Robert. Yeah, Robert Radcliffe from the yeah. Golf Canada Junior Academy or Junior Team. And I think what you guys have there is definitely something that's missing in Canada. I mean, we don't have too many facilities like that, especially in the west west side of Canada. And I mean, they kind of, for the teams, they kind of just base it out of Bear Mountain, out of Victoria. But mm. they have like a complex there, but it's not obviously to the extent that you guys have. But I think things like that are so beneficial for the higher level players. Oh, for sure. And that was the vision that we've always had. It's sort of, it's a training facility. So it's where um, the athletes can come and they enjoy spending the entire day down here. You know, they work on their short game, their long game, the gym, they can eat here. Um, More of a development center kind of thing, right? As opposed to just your basic go hit a bucket and work on a move or whatever. Absolutely, Parksy. Yeah, it's it's a very holistic approach to to the development and, um, and we've got the right people involved to to help guide these, these juniors. We've got, you know, we've got approximately 120 juniors in our academy down here um, throughout the week, along with just our private clientele and then um, uh, the tour pros that, that train out of here as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty busy schedule. And then I also, I'm also involved with Golf Australia as well with the this uh, our certain states, I guess, would is the easiest way to describe it to the listeners. We have our certain divisions. So myself and uh, Grant Field, um, a good uh, Cameron Smith's coach, we we look after the um, the Queensland division of um, Golf Australia. So yeah, it's, uh, I look after that and and the and the coaching down here. So it's um it's fun times. It looks like uh, it looks like quite the compound just for our listeners because we're looking at you in the Zoom and you kind of. Got a little bit of a Bruce Wayne Batman thing going on right now. It looks like the back. Check it up, yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Um, 
one thing I, yeah, I'd like to kind of dive into, yeah, your philosophy on the golf swing, how you take all the different things that are out there and put them to work for people to make them better golfers. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we can talk golf swing all day, um, but my philosophy is really developing the athlete. Um, so looking at them from a performance standpoint, so trying to identify how I can make that player better at the end of the day. So is that through um, their performance skills on the golf course? Is it through their biomechanics? Is it through their mental game? Is it um, their nutrition, their family life, their structures? So um so my approach to to golfers is really trying to sit down with them and identify the plan as to how to make them better. Now, you know, if it's a club golfer, you know, they they probably just need to, you know, a lot of time need to build their skill level up and understand cause and effect a lot more. For the tour pros, you know, you're looking at more so, okay, possibly looking at stats, looking at how they travel, looking at how they structure their time at tournaments, um, ref, a lot of self-reflection. Um, how you break but, down those pitfalls and the and the struggles and use them as building blocks and figure out what's in there to like build upon. Yeah, you got it. You got it. That's right. And um, I guess I'm I'm definitely uh, enjoy working. You know, the golf swings are a pretty big passion of mine. So looking at the biomechanical side of how 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 the athlete moves, and so we do a lot of 3D testing, whether it be through K motion or hack motion. Um, 3D ball flow, track man, et cetera, et cetera. So um, trying to leave just no stone unturned and try to identify just the key areas the player needs. Everyone's different. I've uh, I've spent a little time with the K-Motion system, and it is pretty crazy what they do with the sensors on the body and then the beeping and like trying to just reinforce where you should be and get that feel because that's one of the things, uh, taking the lessons that I've had in my life, and it's like, hey, try this to feel this movement, but like it's kind of gone in an instant and getting hooked up to that and getting that like feedback from the suit just kind of adds yeah. that element. That's super cool. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's building, um, I think it's trying to get the players to understand um, efficiency versus style too. Right. So um, sometimes, you know, your golf swing and Parksy's golf swing are going to look completely different, but you know, they're going to have their, they could still both be very efficient. So um, when you're looking at 3D data, you're looking at the efficiency of movement. So how one segment relates to the other one and how we trans how we translate speed or timing from one segment to another. So 3D analysis is um, is a great way of looking at a, at a player and understanding just the what makes them tick, what makes that player good. Because, you know, what you might see and what you might, what you might then test could be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think Robert kind of touched on that too. It's not so much about creating a move for the player. It's about working with that player and trying to, you know, work off their efficiencies and create efficiencies within whatever their body can do. Yeah, you got it. That, that's hundred percent right. And then, and get them to understand the best version of themselves. Right. So when they're away at the end of the day, um, they're going to be what the players are away at tournaments. We're not going to be there with them 24 seven, you know, they definitely have access to, I stress to the guys like, They've got access to us all the time, myself and and, and my other coaches. But um, trying to really get the player to to have that ownership of their golf swing, ownership of their golf game. So when they're out there in battle and they're out there at tournament weeks, they they know what the best version of themselves is. And if they see a certain flight or a certain pattern, they understand their golf swing. So um, yeah, trying to get that, trying to get the player to really you know knowledge is power, getting them to understand what makes them tick and and that's where uh yeah efficiency is um 
is critical. Yeah, it's like that. Give if you give a guy a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach him how to fish, he'll <laughs> fish for a lifetime, kind of thing. If you, you got can. it, yeah, that's a hundred percent right. That's Unless he's allergic to fish, and then he's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touche. Can you walk us through a day in the life? And just kind of give us an idea of what what a, a basic day at the academy looks like for you. I mean, you're you seem to be like an eighteen hour to twenty four hour day guy. So yeah, my, yeah. I mean, um, so yeah. I guess my side passions. I, I mean, I love I, I love training myself. So I I, um, I have a little bit of a motto. I won't ask any of my players to do anything that I'm not prepared to do myself. So. My days are a little bit crazy. I start my days at sort of two thirty to quarter to three in the morning, and I train myself. And sorry, what your day ends at that time or starts at that time? <laughs> well, you're just leaving the bar at it's, that time, it's, right? It's, it's um, it's it's on the Gold Coast in summer here. It's light at four thirty in the morning, so nice. yeah, it's beautiful, you know. So, but yeah, I'm in a bit of a habit. I'm a bit of a morning guy, so I get up and get all my own physical training and prep done before I get to work. Before before I get to the academy here at sort of uh, 6.30, quarter to seven in the morning. Um, and then, yes, I'll coach pretty much from my first June will be in at seven. Uh, and then we we pretty much just coach all day until um, we finish academy coaching around 6.30 in the evenings. Um, and it's a combination of individual students, squads, teams. So I wouldn't say, you know, the old model of come in for an hour and you're done is is definitely dead. Um, we do, you know, we coach players for an hour, but they're all on long-term development programs. They're not, it's not one-off lessons, that's for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, they all pretty much know where they are in their cycle of development. Um, and it's a good 60 minutes of habit building, right? Just... Let's look at some stuff. Let's try and work on it. You know what you got to go home and work on, come back. We'll see how you've done. And then eventually, like, let's focus on something else. You got it. Yeah. And so one-on-one is a great opportunity to build this skill or build the, if it's, you know, if there is some technique work we're working on, one-on-one is critical. Um, but then when it comes time, more so in the afternoons, when especially when the, a lot of the players are either finished work or finished school, we're doing squad trainings or team trainings. And, uh, and those are essentially based around the human skills, right? And the competitive skills. So when I say human skills, just dealing with pressure, um, planning, um, understanding you know like intensity focus um body language work dealing with different situations so all of the stuff that the players are really faced with in tournaments we try to encourage that more in a when the players are in a in a, in a team environment because that way they can feed off each other and they can um it's a good opportunity to compete where you know golf as you guys know is an individual sport essentially players are practicing and training alone a lot so um and then come tournament time they're competing and different emotions are felt so using the using the players to feed off each other and build a competitive environment um we find is a is a great way of training right and on an individual basis i mean how much has your coaching changed over the years especially when you're introducing people to the technology side of things i mean there's obviously the swing swing work and the personal training but then obviously with your higher level players they're going to be like i want to dial in everything my swing is there but i need my equipment to match my swing how much has that changed for you even to go okay we do 45 minutes of this and then we work for 15 minutes on this to make sure you i'm going to add to this too because we're touching on the training and you know focusing on the you know competitive or competitive side of everything 
what is the breakdown or what is the recipe for good recovery? And are there, are there tools that you use for that? Is there sort of like a focus or a strategic mm -hmm. way to, to utilize your downtime, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I guess um, the first question in terms of how my coaching's potentially changed. I mean, I'm, I'm an avid learner. I want to learn and soak up as much information as possible to make myself better as a coach. So um, I'm open to, I'll be, yeah, I mean, I'm reading golf literature or um, or something related to coaching every day, whether it be reading or listening or discussing with other with other coaches. So I think from a coaching point of view, having an open mind and understanding that um, our knowledge of how the human body moves is, is always uh, improving. Our understanding of golf biomechanics is is um, is developing as well, especially. You know, in recent times with the um, studies done on the um, kinetics of, you know, of what we do with our hands, force and torque and, um, you know, the, the I guess the kinematics, how the, the body moves has been around for a fair while now. So my coaching's evolved in the sense whereby I've had to upskill and understand that. So I, I won't I won't ever try and translate any information unless I know what I'm, you know, competent in talking about. So um I think as a coach, we have to always be evolving. Uh, I don't, and that way, then, then our information we're giving to the players is is definitely better. Um, in respects to um, recovery and so forth, um, I I don't look after the players' physical development. Um, we have SNC coaches on site, and also through Golf Australia, they have their we they have their strength and conditioning coaches, their nutritionists, and their their well being um, advisors as well. So they take the information from from that team. Um, but then again, we sit alongside them as a as a support crew and, and understand we can we can tell when the players are flat or when they you know when they've got you know, where their energy's up and um, and that's a what I went back to before, like having the ability to reflect and, and do a lot of self-reflection, whether it be post-tournament or, or post-training block and understand just where they're at. So we have some performance guidelines where the, where the players basically rate themselves, how they feel with each aspect of their game or, and, and their lifestyle. And then we put our, we put our feedback into it and sit down and um, basically try to level up those areas that they feel like they, they maybe have a few weaknesses in and, um, yeah, just just constantly reflect and as as coaches and players together, um, just to try to keep keep pushing pushing their games forwards. I think that's in, like you've created a very good environment to get high talent out of it because just in my life of trying to learn as much as I humanly can, it's like there's a lot of value in artificially pushing yourself outside of the boundaries and like if you can create that safe space where the competition is allowed. But know that like after this, we're going to have a little debrief on what you felt, how you feel you did and like use that to kind of like, OK, this is this is how you build on this weakness of yours. And it's not really like a lot of people hold up a guard around weakness because it's like, oh, no, I'm weak. I'm not good. But it's like the greatest of us focus on it because we're like we're going to we're going to build on that and turn it into a strength. Yeah, you couldn't. You, yeah, you're on the money. Absolutely. Like being able to. um being able to honestly look in the mirror and identify where we need to get better is just such a, a key skill for any for any athlete to develop. And um, and and you're right, it's a safe space of learning, and that's what we want to try to build down here. Is when the players come in, it's not. Uh, yeah, there's we're not going to leave any stone unturned. We just, you know, at the end of the day, we want to just 
turn out the best players possible. And if that means identifying and exposing where those weaknesses are, then just embrace it and learn from it. So, um, and all of the coaches have the same ethos to that and the players buy in and, and you know, we, we regularly make sure we keep the parents updated and, you know, of the, of the youth athletes as well and try to get them on the same page because at the end of the day, you need, you need everybody to buy into to that development cycle. It's not just, it's not just the coach or just the player. There's so many people involved in, in one athlete. Yeah. Right. And to take a step back away from the students now to look at yourself. So you've moved over from New Zealand, you've developed your career, you've got into this facility and you've started to work with touring pros. How have you seen that development for you as a, as a professional, as a teacher, working with such high-level talent? Like, how have you translated that into your teaching them and teaching lower-level students? Yeah, I mean, I think I learn as much from the tour pros as, as hopefully they do from as hopefully they do from me. Um, so the uh, I guess from from my point of view, what I learned from those guys is you know that dealing. I mean, I play golf to a, to, a, to a pretty high level as well as an amateur, and then through my early professional days as well. So I can relate to them in terms of what they're going through from a. Uh, gee, I guess a pressure standpoint Depending or an standpoint. emotional standpoint. Um, but um, the one thing that always surprised me, just how well they deal with week in and week out when they're on the road, especially like some of the girls I work with um, up in Japan and Korea. I mean, their schedules are so heavy. Like they're playing, my goodness, I think last year they had like close to 40 events on the schedule. Um, if they were to play, if they were to play an entire schedule, obviously they can't. Like you can't play, no. you can't play ten weeks in a row. Um, so it's a bit of pick and choose. But it's just that constant grind of week in and week out, and um, and being able to get themselves emotionally back up after possibly a poor week, or or, or also to settle down after a good week. So, and then what I take from that into, um, I guess one of the biggest things I've taken from working with. The, with the tour pros into the to working with the amateurs is trying to get I think part of the Australia and New Zealand are a little spoiled for choice in terms of what sports we can play we can basically play anything guys like is there's, there's no the weather's good it's cheap to play sport over here there's no there's no real um barriers to get into sport so because of that we develop great athletes but then again the commitment to one sport or the amount of work that it takes to go from being a good athlete to a world-class athlete, I think is a little bit lost because number one, we don't have the population to, to actually expose that versus like the U S and, and some parts of Asia. So seeing how hard the girls work up in Asia and bringing a little bit of that understanding. Um, so that that's that big fish in a small pond kind of mentality, trying to break down a little bit, a few of those barriers is, is a pretty big deal. It must be amazing for you as well to see, especially a lot of the tour pros that are playing up in Asia that, you know, this isn't the PGA tour. They're not making millions upon millions. Like they are playing for a livelihood and they need to grind through it. And you'll see that perseverance go, okay, I'm just going to grind through this. Like I need the money or I'm on a roll. I want to keep this going. And you're seeing a little more dedication than maybe even some like PGA or European tour players where they can take those breaks. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the um, the pathway over here is basically they go from 
as a male turn pro or female, you go from the the PJ Tour of Australia or the or the um, ALPG Tour towards the Asian tours, and then uh, either Europe or the US. So they are stepping stones. Or and you know the PJ Tour has done a great job with bringing in the PJ Tour China, which is like the um, the PJ Tour Canada. So the same same level as that um, before going to Corn Ferry and um, and PJ Tour. So yeah, I mean they're constantly pushing to go from one stage to the next. And and the reality is the the standard they're playing at, the scores they're having to shoot on some of these, I guess, the lower tours is just mind-blowing. You know, the, the guys are shooting the lights out to, you know, just to move from week to week, really. Keep the so, is, there less, is, is there less of a sense of entitlement from the maybe the Asian demographic in their market or the Australian demographic in their market? Like the work ethic, is it is it more intense over there? Because it seems, and not to knock on the U.S. players, but it seems more of a sense of entitlement, like, oh, yeah, I got this. And I spent a lot of time down in the U.S. playing and playing some mini tour stuff, and it's a lot of those guys don't take it seriously, as you see some yeah. of these Asian players really working so hard to get to that next level. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the, the some of the Asian cultures through, you know, I mean, my experience is, is probably deeply rooted with the Korean girls. I've worked with them for a long time um, in recent times. Um, definitely a lot more Chinese students down here in Australia. Um, and their work ethic is just like, it's just exceptional. Like it's, um, you don't have to ask. You know, it's, That's why they're dominating the LPGA tour right now. Like right. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the top 50 players are Asian background at some capacity. So it just kind of speaks to yeah. that. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think it's, you know, as this, their culture, they, they, they're, they're brought up with that through school and, um, and, um, military. Yeah. Military. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, everything ties into it. And, and you know what the, sometimes they get a bad rap for it, but a lot of the time, I think the girls are, in my experience, they've been just brilliant to work with. Um, I've some of the lifelong friends through through working with the the KLPJ girls and um, and they've gone on to LPJ and um, uh, they've yeah they just want it really bad and and the reality is there's a lot of good players up there and it's a little bit of hey she's working this hard I'm going to outwork her by a little bit and be a little bit better so yeah it's that <laughs> it's discipline a right that developed yeah. discipline there for sure yeah when you look at a prime example this is obviously a different tour but you look at Sung Jae Im on the PGA I mean. The guy is an absolute. <laughs> you know exactly who it is, Parks. The, the guy this is, has this the is Chris's favorite player. I just have dude, to give you some insight. You gotta, you gotta love him. He's the, probably the biggest workhorse on tour right now. I mean, there the amount go. of time that he puts in, it's yeah. insane. It's a, it's a testament to their work ethic. It really is, you know. It's um, yeah. It's, there's no complaints. Just get on with it, do it, and and but then again, you know, there's still you got to love what you're doing to keep doing it right. And I think there is, you know, um, the girls I work with have just got just such a true passion for just wanting to get better. And, um, and that's, that's, again, that's probably one of those things that, are, you know, I try to bring to these, to the younger players is these tour players who are, who are having success, you know, they just, they just love the, they love the challenge of trying to get better. That's what I, that's one of the big, biggest common traits I see is just, there's, it's a real growth mindset. They are always looking for that next 1%. How can I get that little bit better um, versus being very closed off to opinion or, um, you know, the ones that are closed off don't last long out there on tour, you know? So it's, um, yeah, I guess 
trying trying to bring that as much as I can to the young guys is is is, is a is a big big part of what we do. Who are some of the players that you're pretty excited about working with right now? And maybe touch on some of the players you've worked with in the past or sort of brushed shoulders with, had those experiences with. Yeah, I mean, there's, I guess there's the players, the, the player I've had the most success with is Shanayan. She's a, a Korean girl, um, grew up in New Zealand, actually met her in New Zealand when I was living over there. Um, started working with her right when I moved to the Gold Coast, actually. So going on, yeah, so 12, 13 years ago. Um, and she originally was playing on the KL PJ Tour and ended up, uh, you know, coached her all the way through. She won uh, PJ Championship and she's now full-time up and she plays full-time in Japan now. Um, awesome relationship with her, um, incredible athlete. Um, so she'd probably be the most successful player I work with. Um, Daniel Nisbet is another player I coach down here. He uh, he plays uh on the asian tour won the new zealand open a couple of years ago which was a co-sanctioned event with asia and japan um and just yeah a bunch of uh of australasian tour players who have got sort of um a little bit of status through well they have status here but a little bit of status in asia status in challenge tour um got a bunch of guys that on a couple of mini tours in the u.s and then I think I think at last count, there's about 15 players that are in college over in the U.S. right now. So, um, is that is that a long-term focus for you? Is that something you want to maybe try and gravitate towards, the, being the Sean Foley's of the of the world? Yeah, if you'd asked me that sort of five years ago, or three, four years ago, I probably would have said yes. I mean, um, right now, I mean, I think I've got a, I've finally got it to a place where it's a pretty good balance between um i love the role i have here developing the youth athlete that the younger athletes have really sort of swung back in that direction um but obviously um i'm still spending a fair bit of time on the road with the um with up in asia with the tour players um and then with golf australia looking after the so the high performance end of the the um i guess you call it the national squad right so and so at the moment, it's a nice balance between the development end of the game with you know high performance juniors, high performance amateurs, and tour players. So to jump out on tour full time and coach full time, I had that op- you know a couple of the girls up in Asia offered me that opportunity a, a few uh, five years ago, and um, and I knocked it back just because I had too much going on here. But um, I think. Uh, it's not as glamorous as what people would make it make it out. To That's be. what I was looking for. There we I go. Always uh, <laughs> when that when that plane lands back in Brisbane, sort of when I'm coming home from a trip, I always always say to myself, you know, we're, we're darn lucky to live live over here. It's um, <laughs> so there's always that nice feeling of getting home. So, but then again, mm. over these last few months, not being able to travel, it has felt and felt strange. I mean, I'm not used to being home for more than six weeks without jumping on a plane. So it's um. Yeah, I am missing the travel a little bit right now. <laughs> there <honest>. you go. <laughs> Fair enough. One thing, another little thing I want to get into is, yeah, like you have people all over the world that you're working with and developing and how do you, how technology is used in that, especially during like COVID and everything. How were you using technology to like keep working on these people? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely we stay connected, right? So um, I do some online coaching through the Skillist app. Okay. Um, that's mainly, 
So that's uh, so um, players from around not just not just tour players, but amateur golfers from around the world can uh, subscribe to a monthly program with me or or one off one off session with me through the Skillist app. Um, if you're an academy player here at, at our place, we use Coach Now to um, to host all of their development structures with their, uh, a bit of a team teams approach is, is more what that that technology is for. Um, and then tour players who have been at home training over over overseas, they might have their own trackman or whatever it may be, and to send data back and forth. And um, but yeah, I guess from a coaching point of view, skill is to be the major major way of sort of connecting with the the amateur players, and then coach now through the academy players we have here. And if anyone is interested in learning more about this, where should they go? Yeah, so um, there's a link to my skillist profile through Instagram, Richard Woodhouse Golf. Um, it's probably the easiest place to get me, to be honest. If you just if they want to direct message me through there, that's probably the easiest way of doing it. Um, or can directly email from through there as well. Okay, you're, you're super. You're super engaged on your socials too. So just gotta put that out to the listeners if they are reaching out. Expect a response pretty quick because you've been really great with us. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important, especially through these. I made a bit of an effort through the last few months to try to. Um, to try to engage a little more through the socials, just you know, just to try to keep players in the loop and up to date. And uh, um, so it's that from that point of view, I think um, I'll continue to, to engage a little more in that. It's not it's not too much of a, an effort from my point of view to, to keep that updated. Do you think that's that's an essential piece of growing the game moving forward? Do you think social media is going to play a big role in keeping engaged with players, growing the game, developing? the game for younger players, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think definitely growing the game. I think the more, the more we can as coaches and as an industry can, can um, provide some good quality content and, and make golf accessible to, to everybody. I think that's only a good thing. And, and, you know, there's so many good coaches out there now and that are, that are offering some really good information. Um, and the great thing is, is a lot of the, the quality of the information is getting better, right? The, and, you know, you're getting a lot more of the the really good coaches providing some free information online um, and, and are accessible now too, right? So, like, if, you know, like, I think everybody's accessible in terms of being able to, to do some development. So, and that was basically my thing. I, I don't want to just bracket it off to just being able to, do face to face. If if someone's overseas, they can still have access to the to the information that I can provide them. Yeah, it's just good for yourself as well as the brand. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like with online, the culture is just golf is a magnetic sport. Once you actually get into it, there's there's some initial fears of like, wow, I got to do this in a certain time. I don't even know how to hit the ball. But like, if you can get beyond that, like, I don't know many people that don't get completely sucked into it. And I think it's the same with online and you've built this environment where let's take a healthy look at us. Let's figure out how to be better. And I think that transcends a lot of stuff in life is like getting involved in things that get you to do that. It's our responsibility as an industry to make it accessible to these people. But I think through the social media platforms, it's just like what we've got going on and the people that are engaging with us and meeting you and like, the good that has come from it and the lessons that we've all learned is just, yeah, it's important for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Just quality information, right? Just cut out all the BS and understand. I mean, golf is, uh, it's a pretty complex game. And like I said, like we said, said earlier, guys, it's understanding how to, to make ourselves better. And that's not just golf swing. That's, um, it's looking at 
long-term development and understanding that golf is it's a bit of a journey right like so you could, and everybody's on their own their own journey of development and and being able to identify how we what direction we take with that's pretty important so that's that's why i very rarely do any one-off lessons um it's it's all um yeah long-term athlete development yeah and i'm not sure like moving forward for you guys like i'm not sure what it's like there but i've kind of noticed in north america and people have kind of spoken about this that there's the golf boom going on and because it is the accessible sport that everybody can play and i'm not sure if you've noticed anything but do you feel like you might have a lot more students coming your way because that is the accessible sport yeah i mean we're getting i mean it's yeah I, i mean i guess so i mean we're getting inquiries for new new athletes to come to the academy on a daily basis mm-hmm. um junior junior golfers especially um so i think parents and the community are realizing that it's just a really good game for their their, their kids to play and um especially and they're not going on holidays this year yeah right yeah so um <laughs> and also the way we structure it too like we were all about developing the athlete first and the golfer second as well so getting them learning how to you know kick throw um move change direction you know getting build it so it's a lot of i guess the tpi model of um of, of building the athlete so right from our you know four five year old students that, that are doing a lot more movement work and speed work rather than just hitting golf balls on the driving range um so it's accessible it's fun it's um yeah i guess you would call it a golf boom it's but it's yeah we, we've been noticing that trend for a while now I'd like to dive into that actually real quick. Um, Yeah, people that want to get their kids into golf at like five or six years old and like, yeah, how do you help nurture that within them? What kind of things are you giving them to do to build body skills, hand-eye coordination, things like that? Yeah, so we've got, I've got, um, so on staff here, we've got uh, four PGA coaches. Um, So a couple of our guys and girls, um, they run the, they, they look after the young the young kids you know that we we call it fundamental phase play phase and train phase and then there's different levels inside that and the kids advance from one to the other based off age and skill as well so um we break sessions down into either 60 or 90 minute sessions depending on 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 how old the kids are but then again they're moving from station they're always on the move every five or six minutes changing skills up and and it's I guess you'd call it as a breakdown at, at that five-year-old mark, probably 60 to 70% movement skills and 30% golf skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so in those movement skills, obviously they don't know at the time, but they're, they're obviously making the golf skills much more achievable. So um, hence the name fun, fundamental phase. It's, it's all based around fun and enjoyment exactly. and the kids are having a blast as a group and our coaches are, are brilliant you know they work with the kids and the parents and is that something that's accessible through the online world or is that mostly an in-person thing because i think right now based on what i know with my siblings and their kids in school and the the zoom class the digital classroom i think if you could offer them that where something where fundamentals is part of it hey take your computer put it on your patio go in your backyard you're going to learn some activities you're going to have some fun be engaged in a group and then like learn to golf 
yeah. Uh, we don't do it online, okay? So threw <laughs> me under the bus on that one. That's but uh, right. that's but more we, just uh, an idea. Oh man, we gotta go. Idea. We're gonna hang but, up now. Yeah, just but we, yeah, but of course, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could do that online, right? I mean, we've just we're ble- we're we're blessed. We can do it face to face with the groups down here. Um, during the during the last you know uh, two months, I guess we've done a lot of online communication with the players who are, who are who are in the squads down here or in the groups down here um but yeah i mean there's no reason why you couldn't do that online right and i'm, yeah. and I'm sure some people are doing it from, th- from that younger age group i think the wisest thing that you're doing is allocating that work with the kids to someone else as <laughs> uh, a former failed golf professional and i'm sure parks you can attest to this with me there is nothing oh, scarier than going through the gauntlet of drivers with five, six-year-olds, like you were just waiting to lose those teeth or an eye. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of respect for, for my coaches who work with those younger kids. <laughs> it's terrible. But it's like, it's like you kind of touched on earlier, and I think Eva ever even kind of mentioned something like this. She's just super passionate about developing kids and working with kids, so that's like integral piece of the recipe right there. Like you have to really want to work with kids and have the patience to level up with them when they're going off on sugar highs and stuff like that. So different environment for sure. Yeah. I mean, last night, Thursday night, we have our junior, our, we call it junior high performance. And they're all between, uh, I guess, 11 and 13 years old. Um, and I, I coach that squad. Um, but they're obviously communicating at a pretty high IQ golf, high golf IQ level. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, before they get to their the habits they've learned through the through the other phases of the program through the, through the with with the other with our other coaches um, it just makes these guys a dream to work with so creating that ethos right from when they're really young um, and and developing those human skills early is, is such a, an integral part of their development mm-hmm. yeah, for sure so Richard what are the plans moving forward for KDV? And what are the plans moving forward for Richard Woodhouse? Yeah, so for KDV, I mean, we're we're really gathering some nice momentum at the moment. Uh, from from year to year or term to term, we're building our, our main focus is is the is the youth development or the or the junior program, if you want to call it that. Um, so I guess when we started, uh, when I brought the other coaches on, when we really officially moved into this building three years ago, we had about thirty youth. 30 full-time juniors we're now up to about the yeah, 120 ish um wow. so it's a big program uh, yeah it really is so so our focus our major focus is on that um obviously we still allocate plenty of time for the amateur golfers to to build all of their programs and everything as well but um you know our focus is our, our number one priority is we want to develop world-class players that's that's what we want to do so um so moving forward we just stick to that that side of things on a personal level. Um, again, like I'm just trying to just do the best job I can. Um, keep learning. Uh, I'm loving the, uh, I guess the education side of things. So I presented a bunch of seminars or, or PJ summits. Um, I've had the opportunity to do a fair bit of travel with that. Um, a lot of, I guess, online education as well. So, and then, yeah, I guess over the recent few years, working more with the Golf Australia side of things, and 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 that that program um, is incredibly enjoyable from my point of view. So, just yeah, continuing to do a bit of job and and 
just don't stop learning and um keep i think it evolves year to year you know just keep building right keep on building learning building so you're doing a lot of different things obviously how does richard like to disconnect from all of this stuff (laughs) does richard disconnect from all of this stuff that's the question doesn't very often right (laughs) i I see you're caught in the back there that must be your apartment there yeah you got it yeah it's lucky there's built a hotel here right so (laughs) um room and board Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm like my wife. Um, she's very understanding, but um, an incredibly supportive. Um, Allison, she grew up playing golf at a really high level as well. So she's uh, she's a dentist now, but she played golf for Australia as, as a junior, and she went to UNLV actually on a golf oh, wow. um, on golf scholarship. So awesome. um, before she moved back to Australia, so luckily she uh, she understands the golf she understands golf and the industry and and my travel commitments and, and that side of things but i guess from a downtime point of view um i'm a massive nba fan unfortunately the balls that i follow have been horrid for the last few years but um that pretty much consumes my the rest of my time and you must have loved like, the last dance eh? they just um, made a big announcement about the nba too right they're coming yeah, back today, right 31st of july they're back eh? Love it. Mm. What was your take on the last dance? Uh, I I loved it. You know, that's going right back to my 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 era. So um, <laughs> yeah, it so was great. the dynasty. It was, yeah. But uh, it's been downhill ever since, unfortunately. So <laughs> yeah. Rose left. you can uh, you can see the Michael Jordan inspiration in what you're doing, though. Definitely, like that yeah. environment you're trying to create for your people to get better and believing in them. And yeah, we're all in this to win together. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's a lot to learn from those from those amazing athletes, right? You know, whether it be him or Tiger or you know, um, Scotty, it, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're, they're pretty special people, and they all do things a little differently. But they they, uh, I think you can learn a lot from them. Yeah, exactly. It's unfortunate. I mean, we've worked in Tom a little bit, but. Uh, Parksy and I worked in the golf business and we know how busy it gets. Like it is insane, especially when the season's going and it may be easier for us in Edmonton because like it's golf crazy, short summer, you just want to play. But for you being where you are, there's so much there, like living in Australia. Like I understand that it's like, Oh, you could just go and do this today or that tomorrow. And where you are, you're so blessed to have so much around you. So at least you do have the option to disconnect and just see something else. Yeah, I guess so. Like uh, we joke about all the time. We tried to take a couple of weeks off at Christmas this year and 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 not go anywhere and just stay around. Say, hey, we're just going to enjoy enjoy our house, enjoy the Gold Coast. But you know, you're still taking phone calls. You, you know, it's <laughs> right at the end emails. of the Gold Coast because we finished the the Australasian tour season finishes literally the week before Christmas, and then they've got Q School the week before new yeah like over new year so there's no downtime at all um so we actually find we got to get out of the country to go and have a holiday so um allison living in vegas for you know for a bunch of her younger years we head back over there and catch up with people there most years um i was actually supposed to be there right now but um not yeah, case. that's our way. That's our way of getting away. Sort of once a year, we'll, we'll shoot overseas for a couple of weeks and, and just switch off. Beautiful. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, like, because you've had all these experiences and you've been around some pretty amazing people and had some great experiences at some of these summits and just giving back to the community and such. 
what is one wow factor story that's really impacted you or the way you approach the game or just your take on golf? Yeah, I mean, you, you're right. Put you on, like, put it, you on it, the spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, well, you know, being able to being able to go out from my from my own po- point of view, being able to go out of my own comfort zone is a pretty big deal to, of self development. So, um, whether that be you know in, in the early days speaking to just you know pj trainees with you know speaking to 30 of them in a classroom um and then last year you know heading over to, to germany and speaking in front of three or four hundred other coaches um is you know pushing that, that sort of stuff out of you out of your comfort zone and, and exposing yourself to that's scary man you you put yourself in a vulnerable position because those guys know golf too so they can you got call right. you right out Scary yeah, absolutely, place. and 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 that's that's why you know I try to always learn and and listen to everybody else and and um and take on information as much as possible. So those well those well factors for me is sort of like being able to sort of come off the back of doing something like that and go, you know what, that actually went pretty well, and what I learned from it, and and how can I do that better next time. Um, from a student's point, you know, well factors. Uh, you know, my biggest kick is out of get, watching players do well at the end of the day, seeing players hold a trophy up or win a major tournament um, is, is what it's all about from my, from my point of view. So, um, and then, as I said, like we pivoting back the last few years and developing the younger players, these, these young 13, 14 year olds and, and helping them navigate through those sort of challenging years of uh, being a, a really high performing athlete, whilst trying to get through school and everything that's and working with the parents that's it's pretty rewarding stuff when you see those kids um sort of get to the other end of that as well yeah that's a an important role i guess in that time of life where yeah usually the teenage years you're kind of starting to become at odds with the parents over certain things and finding your own identity and it's probably good to have someone that like listens to you and yeah, a mentor for sure yeah. yeah it's huge yeah we are yeah, we're definitely there for much more than golf, that's for sure. Definitely, and it's kind of like, it harkens back to what you just said, like a wow factor for you is taking in that information and learning. And I think, I know for us, definitely speaking to people like yourself and others, like taking in that information is definitely the biggest wow factor because there's nothing better than yeah. having that bit of knowledge over someone else and just for your own gain. It's, I think the more the more we talk to coaches, the more I want to like go to a driving range and get back on the program again yeah. and start start working on the game. So whatever you're yeah. doing, keep doing what you're doing because it's inspiring us. Yeah, it's cool, right? I mean, got been coaching for us. I say the guys all the time. It's just about building relationships, you know. And once you build that relationship with the player and the trust is there, um, some pretty cool stuff can happen from a development point of view. Um, the sure. technical technical knowledge of Getting a play, how getting the knowing how to to coach is, is probably the easy part, but the the part that always challenges me is like finding out okay, how does the player respond and and what sort of communication, what what do they require, you know? Yeah, um, taking down barriers for them so yeah, they know build they that trust. Hundred percent, definitely. Sure. Uh, Richard, where can people find you to follow your journey, follow your instruction? I'd say probably the easiest place to get me would be just through Instagram. Richard Woodhouse Golf is the easiest way. There's a link on there for my email. Um, there's the Skillis link on there as well. I think my phone number's even on there. It's probably the easiest, most accessible way. Um, 
and kdvsport.com is the website for the academy down here if you're on the Gold Coast. Um, the new hotel is it's called Elite Gold Coast. It's all connected together. Um, and then, yeah, we're doing. I'm doing some work with a company called Back to Basics, which is doing a, um, a, a putting mirror that we that I've designed myself and Grant Field designed as well. So there's a fair bit of like online content around training aids that we're doing there as well. So I'm interested to know if you're familiar with a product called Theragun. I asked a, a question about recovery earlier, and is that a, do you use a product like that? Is that something similar yeah. that you guys I'm, utilize I'm, in your training? I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know uh, our S&C coaches and some uh, massage therapists use it for their recovery. Um, I've used it a couple of times on myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great tool for players to use um, if, they, if they have the opportunity to use something like that. Um, a lot of the time, the recovery for the players down here is just through, you know, foam rollers, spiky balls, um, yeah. hot cold baths. Um, Sleep. <laughs> sleep you got it yeah, yeah. absolutely so um they're all on their own individual programs but yeah any anything like that like the stereo guns or or anything that's uh they can travel with is uh they're great little tools excellent awesome but we can't thank you enough for your time richard like this was an absolute pleasure and i i know it, it may or may not happen this year due to travel restrictions and whatnot but i know the boys and i want to try and get back down to australia and we're coming Play a bit, and maybe we'll try and film yes. something with you teaching us how to slap yeah. it around. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. It's been, uh, yeah. been a lot of fun chatting. It's been a pleasure, man. When we do make it over there, I'm just looking for a little bit of putting insight, right? Unlock the beast <laughs> within me. Here come the emails. Uh-oh. <laughs> <I'm just, laughs> Am I doing this right? Great chatting with you, though, Richard. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks so much, fun, guys. Man. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Talk to you. Hello, 4Jack Podcast fam. It's your boy, Active Nation, and thank you for listening to the 4Jack Podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us if you could go hit that subscribe button and leave us a lovely five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. You know what? Because that would really make our day. Thank you, and let's keep on golfing, baby. I kind of like that last one. Okay. Then we're good. Got it.